And welcome to Texting Matters, your one-stop audio shop for all things tax, brought to you by RPC. My name is Alice Kemp, and I will be your guide as we explore the sometimes hostile and ever-changing landscape that is the world of tax law and tax disputes. Taxing Matters brings you a fortnightly roadmap to guide you and your business through this labyrinth. In case any of you miss any crucial information or just want some bedtime reading... There is a full transcript of this and indeed every episode of Taxing Matters on our website at www.rpc.co.uk forward slash taxing matters. Some keen observers of the justice system may have heard recent proposals to reduce the number of jurors who hear criminal cases from the current 12 to 7 in order to address the backlog of trials. In the past year, the number of outstanding Crown Court jury trials has risen to 53,000, an increase of more than 40% compared with the previous year, which means that defendants, witnesses and victims are now having to wait up to four years from the time of the alleged offence to when the matter finally gets to court. And recently, there has been an increasing spotlight on the terrible conditions of the prisons where defendants will sit in limbo waiting for their trial. Some defendants indeed are choosing to plead guilty to things they have not done simply in order to get out of there. No one doubts that there is a problem, but is reducing the number of jurors the way to resolve it? Helping us to answer that question, we are delighted to be joined by Dr. Michael Sachs, a professor of both the Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law and the Department of Psychology at Arizona State University, where he specialises in studies on law and the legal system, including specifically for our purposes, decision-making in the legal process. Dr. Sachs has written too many books and articles to count and has been cited by a number of courts, including the US Supreme Court. Dr. Sachs recently released his new book, written together with Stephen Landsman, Closing Death's Door, Legal Innovations to End the Epidemic of Healthcare Harm, which is available from Oxford University Press. Dr. Sachs, welcome to Taxing Matters. Hello. So is there, in fact, any impact in the potential for a reduction of juror numbers? Well, I might start by saying that the uh, this has been an issue in the United States, uh, at least since 1970, when our Supreme Court addressed the issue. And that prompted uh, research on the question, which had not previously existed. Uh, And uh, there are a number of factors which do seem to be affected by changing the size from 12, in our case, from 12 to 6. That's a little different from 12 to 7. I might say that after the U.S. Supreme Court said it was all right, to go as low as six, another state decided to try five. And then the court woke up and said to itself, wait a minute, if we say five is okay, then someone's gonna want four and soon there won't be anybody. So these studies did find uh, on a number of variables, uh, such as the ability of the jury to provide uh, a representative cross-section of the community, that that is reduced somewhat. Interestingly, memory for evidence is affected. One won't be surprised to learn that there are fewer hung juries. Uh, I don't know if you call, you call them hung juries, uh, where the jury cannot reach a decision. Uh, when you have larger juries, larger juries uh, are have more difficulty reaching a decision. And there is reason to think uh, the verdicts will be 
I won't say different on average, but we can get into the way in which uh, it appears verdicts will be affected. Can you just give us a bit more detail about how specifically these findings have come about and what they actually mean? Well, these studies that were undertaken to assess whether the Supreme Court got the right answer. This, our Supreme Court thought about it, and in its intuition was that moving from 12 down to 6, or I'll say 6, to six or 7, shouldn't make a big, dif- big difference. They did have the sense, and I think it's a, uh, an intuition that everyone has about sampling, such as in surveys, that a larger sample has benefits over a smaller sample. And one of the big concerns in the United States, I think the first item I mentioned was uh, representativeness of the community. Um, In the United States, a big concern was the ability of a jury to represent members of minority communities. But even though the law was that representation should be fair, or at least eventually it came to be that, because there was a time when we did not allow women on juries. We did not allow African-Americans on juries. That even when it was illegal to do that, it was done, and uh, concerns were raised about explicit exclusion. And to the extent that that has been stopped, then you could get more subtle ways to exclude minorities and reducing the size of the jury turns out to be one of those ways. I mean, let's imagine that you have a population of eligible people eligible to serve on juries and that the population is split 90% of one kind of person, 10% of another kind of person. And that 10% minority, it could be a racial minority. It could also be an educational minority, the 10% uh, are more highly educated. It could be a political minority. People who subscribe to certain political views uh, are in that 10%. The statistics don't care what it is. It's just a 10% minority. Uh, And a statistician could take any number and play with it, but I'm going to use 10 to illustrate. Imagine you had an urn filled with jelly beans and 90% of them are one color or one flavor, 10% are another flavor. And you drew samples of size six out of that. Let's say you drew a thousand samples of size six. Uh, You would find that approximately 47% of your six jelly bean samples would have at least one of the 10% minority in that group. If you drew samples of size 12, then you would find, you draw a thousand 12 jelly bean samples, you would find that 72% of those samples had at least one member of the minority, the 10% jelly bean flavor. So it's uh, it's a it's not an insubstantial decline. You would have fewer than half of your juries of size 6. 7's a little better. So maybe you'd be at half or a little above half. And so the ability of the sampling process 
to draw, at least initially, uh, the lawyers will have a chance to challenge certain jurors. But at least the initial pool that you want, if nothing else happened, the sampling itself would reduce the ability of the jury to uh, represent the community. So that's the first concern about representation. Uh, You spoke then about evidence. Uh, The juror's memory for evidence. Again, I think people's intuitions would fit the research findings that if you have more people in a decision-making group, you have more resources brought to the problem. It isn't just you have more people with more background knowledge. You have more people in a larger group who have listened to the evidence and different members of the group pick up different bits of it or are questioning different bits of it. And uh, as a general proposition, the larger a decision-making group is, the better a job it will do on the sorts of questions that are uh, at issue. And that is to say, kind of a a more general problem-solving group as opposed to a highly technical problem that needs to be solved. And so the more people you add to it, the more knowledge, the more human computers, mental computers are working on the problem. But each person you add creates difficulties in the process of communication. So studies of this find you can add and add, but the additions, uh, there, there are diminishing returns and you reach a point where the number is actually starts to do more harm than good because so many resources of the group have to go into managing the discussion and gathering together the consensus. But when we're talking about 12 versus six or seven, you're, you're better off with the 12 than with the six or seven so that the discussion is richer and more critical of the evidence. So if you're monitoring the deliberation, you can hear more issues coming up, more facts of the case being discussed, more errors being corrected. So if a person on the jury asserts a particular fact, something as fact, there are more, there is more light, and it's incorrect, it's more likely that someone else will be there to correct it when you have a larger group. And then that is reflected in uh, questionnaires given to these mock jurors after their deliberation, where they're given a quiz on the facts of the case. They, when, they were, when they had participated in a larger jury, they remembered more facts and they remembered more facts correctly. So there is a benefit to having a larger group. But I think that too, I think, is pretty consistent with the intuition of most people. I don't think we would say the smaller group will do a better job. I think the argument would be that whatever the degradation is, it's modest enough 
that uh, it won't do terrible harm to the process, but it will do some. And obviously there's a trade-off between waiting years, a period of time during which memories would fade and witnesses would become unavailable. So obviously there are other factors to be considered, but I can only enlighten about the jury itself. So you also mentioned hung juries and the impact of a size reduction on those. How does that operate? Uh, It uh, turns out that uh, juries are not entirely rational come debating societies. And and when you have a disagreement, uh, which where you have, let's say, only one or two or three people out of the 12 who disagree with the majority, the majority start to apply pressure to the minority that is not entirely a matter of persuasion. They they try all kinds of things. And, and by the way, I should say, this has been studied not just in simulated juries, questionnaires given to actual juries after they've completed their work have learned that sometimes Jurors who disagreed with the majority nevertheless went along with the majority because they didn't want to keep fighting with the majority. Well, first of all, all the attention of the whole group focuses on the one or two dissenters. And the dissenters then have to deal with, let's say there are two in the minority, and they are being attacked by 10 people. And each member of the 10-person majority has less work to do. And and the attacks are, uh, oh, come on, why are you making this difficult? All of us agree on whatever the verdict is. And you are holding everything up. And we've heard your arguments. We don't accept them. So you might as well go along with us. Uh, And it's getting close to the end of the day. And what are you going to make us come back again tomorrow? Uh, I have children to look after. I have a job to go to. So there are all kinds of efforts made to bring the minority in line. And so the interesting question becomes the ability of those dissenters to withstand majority pressure. And the psychological research uh, on this has consistently found that in order for any one of us to stand up to a group of others, we are much more able to do that if we have an ally, a friend who is doing it with us. We are social creatures and that, uh, and it's reflected in that. So that if I'm on a 12 person jury and two of us on the 12 person jury are fighting off the majority, we have a better chance of holding our position and preventing the jury from reaching a verdict than if I were the same person and now I'm on a six-person jury and the ratio of the majority and the minority is the same. Now, instead of 10 to two, it's five to one and I'm the one and I'm alone. I am more likely to cave in to the majority in that situation. 
And so then you get a verdict. Now, this isn't to say that preventing a verdict is good or bad. It's just what happens. And it's obviously less efficient for the legal system. They'll have to hold another trial. But it's also possible that the majority is wrong and the minority is right. Although uh, we're still only talking, at least in the United States, a few percent of 12-person juries end up hanging and failing to reach a verdict. So some may say it's a good thing. Let's go to a smaller size so we have fewer fewer hung juries. And some may say it's good to make sure the jury is complete. That if you get 12 people who are convinced of something, we can be more sure about it than if you had five people who are convinced and they dragged along one unhappy juror. And, uh, and it worked pretty well for 700 years to have 12 jurors. Kingdom didn't collapse. <laughs> you also mentioned that there are differences in verdicts which come about because of different sizes. How does that translate in the studies that have, have come about? Uh, this one is a little harder to explain verbally, <laughs> but I'll try. Well, there are two ways to think about this. If we're only talking about criminal cases, we're only talking about the jury deciding guilty or not guilty on whichever charges we're talking about. Let's say there's a trial with a single charge, a single count. The jury has to reach a verdict, a unanimous verdict, guilty or not guilty. Again, think about trying a case multiple times, like sampling. In fact, think of it this way. A single trial of a single case is just one possible verdict on those same facts. Let's say I could try the same case on the same facts a hundred times. And I don't think we expect all of those juries to come back with the same verdict. They could, if the evidence is very strong, one way or the other, then it might not be surprising if you got 100 guilties or 100 not guilties. But in the United States, we not only talk about plea bargaining, it's the main way that trials are resolved. So let's say everything goes to trial and the evidence ranges from quite strong for the prosecution to much more uncertain evidence. And maybe it even a fair number of cases that lean toward the defense. So now, if we took any one of those cases, particularly those that are in the middle, think of not the extreme cases, but cases where uh, it would not be shocking for the jury to come back with a guilty verdict or a not guilty verdict. And let's say we took the same evidence and the same lawyers, the same facts, and we had a hundred different juries trying to decide that case. Some would say guilty, some would say not guilty. It turns out that the larger juries would be more consistent. If the evidence leaned toward guilt, you'd get a higher percentage of those 100 large juries agreeing on guilt. You'd have a more mixed set of results for the smaller juries. And you could regard this just as another sampling, another large sample, small sample problem. It would be easier to wind up with 
let's say there are a certain percentage of people in the public who are very skeptical of the police and the government, and they're very distrustful. Let's say whatever that percentage might be, 10%, 20%, in a small sample, you have a chance of getting a larger number of them. I said earlier that with the 10% minority, a 12-person jury stands a considerably better chance of having at least one of those persons. But the smaller juries, uh, because the sampling is more volatile, we might say, you could have several of those people. They're going to be in both juries, but on the larger juries, you won't have as many. You stand a greater chance with the smaller juries of getting an unusual sample. And if that unusual sample is uh, more skeptical of the police, the prosecution, the government, then they are more likely to produce a verdict of not guilty when, let's say, the case actually does lead, the evidence leads sufficiently in favor of the prosecution case that you should have gotten a guilty verdict. But the summary of it is simply that larger samples produce more consistent results. The same thing would be true if I were conducting surveys for political, if I want to know which candidate is favored in a two-person race, I only go out and get 12-person samples. Those 12-person samples will give me the population preference more consistently than the smaller samples. So taking into account those points that you've talked about, the representation question, how evidence is retained in memory, the hung juries question, and the differences in verdict, overall, how do these factors play into the robustness of a jury's decision if it's a larger jury of 12 or a smaller one of, say, six or seven? Well, overall, I think we would have more confidence in the larger jury. First of all, the facts suggest, the data and statistical theory suggest, and I don't mean to say it's it's an overwhelmingly, dramatically obvious difference, but it's a sufficiently persistent difference that you get statistically significant differences in the studies. So you get more reliable verdicts analyzed more carefully by the jurors, remembering the facts, better representing the community more dependably in the great run of cases. So it is it is a benefit. Whether that, uh, and I'm in no position to suggest whether the degradation that will that results in performance and representation that occur when you cut the size in half or almost in half with seven, whether that loss is worth it in light of the concerns that you mentioned in the introduction. That's what policymakers have to struggle with. Um, this is just one bit of input. The, I think the trade-offs uh, are obvious. There is a degradation in performance when you move from 12 to 6 or 7 in memory 
that there's a loss of the group's ability to remember to be as much, to be as critical of the evidence, to represent the community as well, uh, so that there is an advantage to maintaining 12. And whether that advantage is worth keeping in light of the difficulties that are being confronted is not for me to say. Taking all of this into account, we've obviously got a situation where a policy has been put forward, and as you say, it's something for policymakers to consider. But why should the general public care what the jury numbers are? Well, I think the public's view of the legal system in general is a matter of concern to any government. And there are many different things that the legal system does that contribute to strengthening public respect, public support, public confidence. And this uh, this is one of them. So I, I don't think it's be a catastrophic failure of the legal system if this change were made and remained. But it would, uh, I think that over time, it would be one more little factor on the scale that led people, to the extent that their intuitions about cases and about these matters, to the extent that their intuition matched the research and to the extent that they were aware. So if people become aware of a case and they're surprised, they would be surprised by the verdict more often with six-person juries than they would be with 12-person juries. If they were on the jury, they would, well, actually, being on the jury is a whole other question. People enjoy the smaller group more. They feel better about the, the deliberation that they participated in when it's a smaller jury. But other than the jurors themselves who get to know each other better and have a, a more pleasant time, uh, other than that, there is a, a decline in the quality of the system that the public might pick up on. And it could be one more strike against Thank you very much, Dr. Sachs, for taking us through this important and fundamental area. Hopefully, it got some of our listeners thinking about this question. As ever, a big thank you goes to Josh McDonald, who does all of the work pulling each episode together. Our music is from musical genius Andrew Waterson, who also produces each episode. And of course, a big thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. A full transcript of this episode, together with our references, can be found on our website, www.rpc.co.uk forward slash Taxing Matters. If you like Taxing Matters, why not try RPC's other podcast offering, Insurance Covered, which looks at the inner workings of the insurance industry, hosted by the brilliant Peter Mansfield, and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and our website. If you like this episode please do take a moment to rate, review and subscribe. And remember to tell a colleague about us. Thank you all for listening and talk to you again in two weeks.